Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Our sermon text for our meditation this evening is recorded for us in the book of Genesis, chapter 16, beginning at the first verse. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bore no children for him. She had a servant girl, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go to my servant girl. It may be that I can build up a family through her. Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. After Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took her servant girl, Hagar the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. So he went to Hagar, and she conceived. When she saw that she had conceived, she looked down on her mistress. Sarai said to Abram, This wrong that I am suffering is on account of you, I gave my servant girl into your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked down on me. May the Lord judge between me and you. But Abram said to Sarai, Look, your servant girl is in your hands. Do to her whatever seems good to you. Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her presence. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a flowing spring in the wilderness, beside the spring on the way to Shur. He said, Hagar, servant girl of Sarai, where did you come from? Where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her authority. The angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your descendants, so that they will be too many to count. The angel of the Lord said to her, Listen, you are expecting a child and will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him. He will dwell in hostility toward all of his brothers. She called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God who sees. For she said, Here I have really seen him who sees me. Therefore the well was called Ber Leroy. It's right there between Kadesh and Barad. Hagar gave birth to a son from Abram. Abram named his son, whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old, and Hagar bore Ishmael for him. Lord, these are your words, and therefore they are the truth. We ask that you'd increase our faith through them. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed, it's interesting to note the change in parenting trends over the recent decades. Not so long ago, there was a parenting trend known as tiger parenting, or at least individuals known as tiger moms. Uh, Tiger moms were those that pushed their kids to excel in academics and extracurriculars. They would push them to the limit in all of those things, getting them to do every possible thing that they could and making sure that they were excellent at each and every one of those things. Maybe we have some tiger parents here in the congregation. Uh, But then after that, there came another form of parenting that I'm sure many of you have heard about or are familiar with, and that is helicopter parenting. And supposedly, the the helicopter parenting mentality is to 
uh, be watching over everything your child does and to make sure that they get everything done that they're supposed to do. And so the, the helicopter parent is one that's keeping track of everything in their child's schedule and all of their homework and making sure that they're getting to all of the events they need to go to, overseeing both their academic success and their social success and their extracurricular success, all of those things, being very intimately involved in their child's life in that way and, and, and making sure they do every part of it. Of course, you probably know of the, the next form of parenting that has come along, and that's been known as snowplow parenting. And maybe you've heard of this, where, where parents basically get rid of every obstacle in the way of success for their children. If anything's tough at school or in extracurriculars uh, or even beyond, they'll do whatever they can to knock down all of those barriers. We think of such parents maybe phoning in to the school to, to talk to the teacher if their child got a bad grade and to argue they didn't really deserve that grade. You've maybe heard of some of these parents even going to uh, the college administration and arguing that their child should get better grades and things like that. And maybe even some of these parents showing up at job interviews as well to argue on behalf of their, their child. And, and the parent is seemingly well-intentioned, thinking that this is what is best for the child. You know, I, I know for myself, I can kind of relate to that snowplow parenting style. In this way, I think about many times when my boys have brought homework to me. And it can be a little frustrating and time-consuming to try to actually show them how to get to the right answer on their own. And maybe there's parents that can relate here tonight too. Instead, it seems way easier just to give them the answer, just to solve the problem for them so that they don't have to struggle or work at all and makes my job easier seemingly too as well. Well, I think all of us tend to have uh, a mentality like that when maybe things don't seem like they're going so right or, or maybe they're not happening in a timely manner the way that we think they should. And we want to take things, take matters into our own hands. As the old saying goes, if you want to have something done right, you gotta do it yourself, right? That's, that's the old saying, at least. Well, we see Abraham and Sarah kind of having this, this mentality when it comes to God's promise. God had given this promise to Abraham, had promised that he was going to have this special descendant, this son that was going to be born, and that some amazing things were going to happen through him. Through this son, Abraham would become the father of a great nation, uh, of many descendants, so many that they would number more than the, the sands on the seashore, the stars in the sky, so many, not even able to count them. He also promised that through this descendant, all the nations of the world would be blessed as well. So pretty big promises, especially to a couple that was getting up there in age. Abraham, 75, Sarah, 65. And Sarah also wasn't able to have children. And so time went on as they're waiting and waiting for this promise to be filled, fulfilled, but eventually they grow impatient, as we see in our lesson for today. And Sarah comes up with this plan. Perhaps she's thinking in her own mind, well, you know, maybe this, this plan and this promise of God can be fulfilled without me. Maybe I'm not even necessary. And maybe it's just Abraham that's involved. And so maybe if he just sleeps with my servant girl and has a child with her, well, the promise can be fulfilled in that way. And so she presents it to Abraham and 
he agrees and he sleeps with the servant girl, Hagar, and what do you know? She conceives. It seems like their plan worked, right? Or did it? As we see in our lesson for today, what came as a result? Well, a lot of trouble for their family, right? As Hagar now despised her mistress, and then Sarah herself grows angry and mistreats Hagar as well, and eventually Hagar runs off, imagine this pregnant young girl, into the wilderness by herself. We think about all of this manipulation and all of this impatience and this lack of faith in God and all of this sin also that's involved in all of this, and yet amazingly we see God's compassion. First of all, to Hagar, that the angel of the Lord comes to Hagar when she's out in the wilderness, and and he tells her to go back, return to the household of Abraham and Sarah. He also tells her that the son in her womb, Ishmael, is himself going to be a a father of many, and he's going to have many descendants. So we might wonder, well, maybe he's the one who's going to fulfill the promise. But what else does the angel of the Lord say about him? In our lesson for today, he describes Ishmael in this way. Ishmael will be a wild donkey of a man. What a way to describe someone. His hand will be against every man and every man's hand against him. He will dwell in hostility towards all his brothers. Now that doesn't sound like someone through whom all nations of the world would be blessed. And certainly he wasn't. That wasn't God's plan. But Hagar returned, and she ended up having the baby, Ishmael, and he was born. And we see that ultimately after the child is born, God yet again also shows compassion to Abraham and Sarah. Despite their sin and all that they had done wrong, he comes again to Abraham, and he tells him that his promise is still in effect. He tells him in the very next chapter that Sarah is yet going to have a son. But guess how Abraham responds? He says, Oh, let Ishmael live in your presence. This is if Abraham's telling God, God, I already got that taken care of. Don't worry about it. I already have a son, Ishmael. You can have him be the one to fulfill the promise. But God says this, No, Sarah, your wife, will bear a son for you. You shall name him Isaac. You know, when it it comes to blessings from God or God's favor, sometimes we can also grow frustrated or impatient as well. Maybe perhaps as we see the blessings that others around us are enjoying and and we can think that, well, I, I really deserve those blessings too. Why isn't God giving me the same thing that he has given those other people? And maybe we can have the mentality of Abraham and Sarah to take matters into our own hands and even maybe doing something unethical and moral, kind of with the ends justified the means kind of mentality. Or maybe we can just have this sort of mentality. Well, if I want God to bless me, well, I just got to work harder. You know, as long as I show God my faithfulness and my obedience to his commandments, as long as I show him my seriousness concerning my faith, my devotion to his word and coming to church regularly and giving my offerings to the Lord, well then certainly he's going to see that and certainly he's going to have to bless me then. 
because he's going to see that I am such a good, well-behaved servant of his, follower of his as well. You know, with this sort of mentality, though, it's almost like we are imagining that God owes us something because of how good we've been. You know, that mentality reminds me of a child who goes and rakes leaves for his parents on a Saturday afternoon, and he's outside for two hours, over two hours, raking leaves. And he comes into his, his home again, and he sits down to talk to his dad, and he says, Dad, now how about that Xbox that I've wanted? His dad said, what? Well, Dad, I've been out raking leaves for over two hours. Pretty much most of the lawn is done. I kind of figure that you owe me. Owe you, his father says. And his father goes on and says, well, who provides your food, your clothing? Who pays for the roof over your head? Who pays the electric bill? Who drives you everywhere you need to go? Who basically gives you everything that you have? The boy was rather sheepish as he realized how arrogant he was to think that he deserved such a big gift or had earned it from his parents when they had done so much for him. Maybe it reminds us of ourselves as we we look at the things that we have done and we say, well, God, I've gone out of my way to show love to my fellow man and to give generously and I've done all of these things for you, Lord, so you owe me. But it's like that son who's raked leaves for two hours in comparison to everything that God has done for us. The Apostle Paul writes this in Galatians chapter 3. He says, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. If we think we have earned or deserved God's blessings or God's favor because of what we have done, we need to take seriously God's law and what it expects. It doesn't expect that we take half-hearted attempts at fulfilling that law and just our, our attempt at obedience is going to earn that grace, favor, and blessing. But really, God's law demands that we love him and love our neighbor perfectly and that we do it every single minute of every hour of every day of our lives. If we don't, we certainly deserve not blessing, but punishment. Thanks be to God that St. Paul goes on in that same chapter to say this, Clearly no one is declared righteous before God by the law, because the righteous will live by faith. It reminds us that we cannot earn God's grace and favor. We cannot earn his blessing because we can't do enough in order to do that. Rather, the righteous will live by faith. We have God's favor. We are righteous in his sight, not by what we do, but by what God has done for us. Paul goes on in that next chapter in Galatians to use an illustration that that points back to Sarah and Hagar, as we had in our first lesson for today. And he he pictures Hagar as Mount Sinai. It's kind of an interesting illustration there. Hagar is Mount Sinai, and all of her children are those that desire God's favor and blessing through works of the law. And he also pictures Sarah 
as a different mountain, as heavenly Jerusalem. And he says that those that are Sarah's children are those that are sons and daughters by the promise. So not by works, but by grace. And that's us, of course. We are God's children, not by works, not by earning his favor, but by God's grace that is ours through faith. Through faith in the one that he has promised. God showed compassion on Abraham and Sarah, even despite all of this, and even Abraham bringing it up again in the next chapter. Hey, have Ishmael be the one that fulfills the promise. God yet gives them a son. He gives them the son so many years after he gave that original promise. 25 years later, when Abraham is 100 and Sarah is 90 years old, she gives birth to the son of the promise, Isaac. And yet... Our faith is not to be in Isaac, but in his descendant who is to come from his line, Jesus. We think about how Jesus is similar in some ways to Isaac. We think of how Jesus himself was born in a very miraculous way, not through a barren elderly woman, but through a virgin. Jesus, too, was the son to be sacrificed by his father, who carries the wood that he's to be sacrificed on up the mountain. But unlike Isaac, whom God spared from the knife, Jesus was not spared the crown of thorns or the nails in his hands and feet because God sent him as a sacrifice for sin, a sacrifice for you and for me, and not just for us, but for the sins of the entire world. And he has given the name Jesus. As it says in Matthew uh, chapter 1, verse 21, he will be called Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And we think of how Jesus ultimately fulfills that promise of God. God had promised that through Abraham and his offspring, through his seed, all nations of the world would be blessed. And they are ultimately in Christ, who has won salvation full and free. So that anyone, no matter what they have done, no matter how impatient they have been, no matter how manipulative they have been, no no matter how unfaithful they have been to God, through faith in Christ, they are forgiven. Through faith in Christ, they are God's children. You know, that son, that son who was so arrogant before his parents with the raking of the leaves, A few months later, as the family sat down in front of the Christmas tree to open gifts, he had a gift placed in his own lap, and he read the tag. Not because you earned it, but because we love you, and you're our son. Love, Mom and Dad. He opened up, and he, of course, found the Xbox that he had wanted inside. It's a picture, a small picture of what God has done for us, right? Even though at at times we have been so arrogant, thinking that God owes us, he forgives even those sins. And he yet gives us an amazing gift. He gives us the forgiveness of all of our sins and the guarantee of life with him forever. Not because we deserve it or have earned it, but because of his grace through Jesus, because of his promised son whom he sent. Amen. Invite the congregation to please rise.
Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.